So this is a piece of scripture that may be very familiar to you. On the one hand, it, we can understand and it makes, makes a lot of sense. But there are some real subtle things that Paul is doing in this passage that I want to point out so that this passage will be even richer and more meaningful to you and I. Paul, as he writes this bit of scripture, is talking to the Corinthians. And let us remember that the Corinthians were having issues. They were not getting along with one another. And so Paul writes to them, and I think the last verse of this passage sums it up so well. Verse 27 that we didn't read, but I want you to hear it. Paul writes, now you are the body of Christ, and individually, you're members of it. Paul is writing this, and he wants the Corinthians to remember that very peace because they are all equally part of the body of Christ, equally important, equally gifted and talented in the body of Christ. So what Paul begins with is that he uses this really interesting writing style and it is rather absurd to think of our body parts talking. We hear early on in about verse 14 or 15 that the foot suddenly is able to talk and the foot says, well, if I can't be a hand, I'm out of here. That's a loose translation. If I'm not an eye, says the ear, then I'm not a part of the body. And Paul continues to use this really unique style of writing so that we pay attention that each and every part of our bodies is important, no matter how small, no matter how large. But then in verse 18, Paul says four little words. He takes this absurd body piece talking and he hones it in. If you'd like, you can turn in your pew Bibles and you can see this, it's in verse 18. Paul focuses our attention with these four words, but as it is. He takes us from this talking hands and ears. He brings us back to remembering that each and every one of us has been uniquely created and that God has woven us together. And that is what his next point is. Paul uses this body image in a different way, a real new way in this image. And Paul wants the Corinthians and us to remember that it is God who has not only created us individually, but it is God who has arranged this body of Christ. Not on accident, but God has brought us together. Both, yeah, here at Sheridan Lutheran Church or wherever you are if you're joining us online, but also within our friend groups, within our family groups. We have been woven together. 
But just to make sure that the Corinthians aren't missing his point, to make sure that you and I aren't missing his point, Paul does a classic Paul move. And he takes a preposition that in the Greek, it would be letters in English would be S-Y-N. Sometimes we say it S-Y-M. But that Greek preposition means with or together. And Paul, in pure Pauline fashion, takes that preposition and he attaches it to three different words just to make sure we're getting the emphasis. We would see that, that short little word, sim or sin, with words like symbiosis or symphony. Paul uses it here with we are arranged together. God has put us, has arranged us together so that we may rejoice with one another and suffer with one another. Hear that verse again. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Paul wants us to remember, Paul wants the Corinthians to remember, we are all in this together. We are rejoicing with, suffering with, not apart from the other members of our family or family system. Paul's words, this beautiful image, works together so well with the chapter in, I believe it's about chapter six or seven in Pastor Steve Cuss's book on anxiety. Because in that book, Pastor Steve brings us to a family system and how the family system works together just as Paul's image of the body would work together. Now, to make sure that we are all on the same page, I want to share with you what Pastor Steve Cuss says about this system, how he designs or defines a family system. So let's put those words on, and here's what he says. It's on page 101 in your books, if you're curious. Pastor Steve writes, a system is simply a group of people who function in an emotional unit. We can get that. Because everyone in the system is connected to one another and affected by one another's connections, a system becomes a complex emotional environment that generates a lot of emotional subtext, especially if one member of the system is unhealthy or disruptive. (laughs) Enter Paul's letter right here. Corinthians, you have a few people who are being disruptive and unhealthy, and that is affecting the entire system because, Corinthians, you are all interconnected. We know how family systems can work. We remember what Paul says, that even the least is absolutely as important. If you don't believe me, think of your pinky toe and how in the middle of the night your pinky toe has that innate ability to find the edge of your bed or the edge of that table. And it shoots a stabbing pain all the way up to your brain. (laughs) Or think of the bottom of your foot 
and how the bottom of our bare feet have that ability to find that lost Lego piece. But let's look at this now in terms of anxiety. When we're looking at our family unit, our family systems, whether it's your family, your friends, or an entire group like our awesome congregation here. When we start looking at anxiety, when we start looking at at how we interact, that's what we need to do, is to first look at how are people relating to one another? How are they in process together? I want you to do kind of a dangerous thing. I want you to promise me that you're gonna come back as a preacher. (laughs) I want you to think for just a moment of your own family system when you were growing up. Do you remember if there was anxiety? Do you remember if one person was a little bit more unhealthy than perhaps another? I think if we're honest, we can all answer with yes, because we are all saint and sinners, and we have saint and sinners in our family systems. And as we reflect on what we experienced growing up, of what shaped us, then when we acknowledge that and learn from that, then we can be even healthier going forward. But the other thing that we need to remember, especially for our systems right now, is that anxiety can spread. It takes one person to be anxious and that one person can spread that anxiety to somebody else who can spread it to somebody else. And we know that that tension, that anxiety can increase so quickly. And it's not just in our families, it's not just in our friends group, we know that this is within our entire culture. All we need to do is around Thanksgiving or Christmas is to watch what's coming up across our favorite social media feeds. Nine times out of 10, especially at those time of the year, we are gonna see something that says something along the lines of how to survive your family at Thanksgiving. How to survive your family at Christmas. Or any of the other times of the year. Right now, there's something that comes across my news feed, and I will say, I'm gonna kinda clean up the language a little bit, but it's a site that says, that allows people to share what's happening in their family system, that's my words, and how they responded, and the key question is, am I the jerk? And people write in and say, this is what's happening in my family system. Again, my words. And then people across the web can give insight or not of whether or not that person was correct or if they actually were behaving in a little bit more inappropriate way. (laughs) Again, my words. So where's the good news? Where's the good news for us this morning? because we know anxiety. We know it in our friend groups, it's palatable in our family groups. This morning, 
let us look to our gracious God for good news. Remembering that God has created you and me and has created us good. Please, please hear that again. You and I have been created good, amazingly well. And God has arranged our groups so that we might rejoice and suffer with one another. But there's even more. As we look at Paul's letter, all we have to do is go back a few verses and Paul reminds us, just as he reminded the Corinthians, that we have the gift of baptism. And that in baptism, you and I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit walking with us every single day, giving us strength and encouragement and hope because we go forward held in God's mercy and grace. That's good news. As we live in the promise of the Holy Spirit, there are two things that we can do to make a difference in our family systems. The first one is to, be a, is to acknowledge what we do as an individual that may affect the rest of our family system. What do we do? How do we interact with one another? How do we contribute? And then we can be accountable. And the second thing is that then after we've done that hard work of looking at ourselves, then we can intentionally become an agent of healthy change. Healthy change. So that God can work through you and I bringing healing and hope and the lessening of anxiety. If you've been reading Pastor Steve's book, he shares a story of his sons, and I wanna share that with you so that you can see this family system dynamic in play. He writes, Pastor Steve writes that his sons like to play competitive basketball, and they both play for their school. He writes, several years ago, my youngest son came home from practice frustrated that William didn't pass him the ball. My son is big on justice and William was violating his sense of justice. William must be punished. And he said, my son was 12. His son said, William is a ball hog. He never passes the ball to anyone and coach lets him get away with it. And Pastor Steve, his dad asks him, well, what do you do when William doesn't pass? Well, William doesn't pass to me, so I've stopped passing to him. <laughs> now, before we get judgmental on this 12-year-old and the, before we kind of turn up our noses, let's think about ourselves. Have you and I ever said, well, I haven't heard from my siblings, so pfft, I'm not gonna call them. Or maybe we've said something like, well, I haven't received a text from them, so I'm not gonna text them first, they can. Yeah, it's real. 
what is happening within this system is that these two basketball players are no longer playing basketball. <laughs> They're playing keep away. And if it hasn't already affected that system of their team, it probably soon will. So this is what Steve writes. And it makes me giggle. (laughs) He said, actually, if my son were writing this, he would more accurately say, I didn't want to change at all. But dear old dad is a systems fanatic and he wouldn't let me complain about a teammate. He made me try some weird systems jitsu move. See, this is what Pastor Steve told his son to do. If you want William to pass the ball more, pass the ball to him the next six times you have the ball. Even if somebody else is open, don't pass to them, pass to William. And naturally, his son responded with, well, that's not fair. That is rewarding his ball hog ways. He should be the first one to pass to me. So Pastor Steve said again to his son, for the next six times you have the ball, I'm gonna ask you to trust me and pass William the ball. It will change everything. Pastor Steve continues, to my son's great credit, he did just that. He didn't like it and he didn't believe in it, but he did it. Sure enough, after several passes, William passed the ball back. The pattern was permanently changed and they went from enemies to friends, even outside the court. It's not always this easy to make a change in our family systems. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit walking with us, strengthening us, encouraging us, giving us hope to go forward, hope that we can be accountable for ourselves and then become an intentional agent of change for good. So let us go forth from here, leaning on God's grace and mercy, allowing God to work through us so that we can know a release from anxiety, so that God can work through us to bring health and healing to all those around us. Thanks be to God that we don't do this alone. Amen.